welcome back to the Boneyard Podcast. Yep, yep, yep. We're coming to you this week with episode 22. The Taylor Swift episode of podcast. Feeling 22? I'm feeling 22, baby. So, Artie, uh, we got a we got a great episode on tap mm-hmm. for everybody this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, this is something that, I mean, we've been, in, it's been in the works for about three or four weeks now. We've been trying to get this, this, this guest is, that we've got. a big got. get. Uh, but before be, before we announce who we've got on the podcast, we've already announced it on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Artie, how have you been, man? Doing real good, man. This is our second straight week doing this thing on a Friday. I think I like doing these on, on, on Fridays, to be honest with you, because I'm, I'm still in a work mode or work mood. I think Sundays, I'm just kind of, you know, that's... Sundays, are my, like, I don't That's, that's my day. chill, right? I don't want to do nothing. Yeah. Even though we, we do great on Sundays, it's like, that's just my relaxed day. And it's easy, it's easier to get some of these great interviews that we've got right. on a Friday, on or, a Friday or, or sometime in the week. and. I mean, we're recording with, on during the week because I don't have a job, but <laughs> already worked second shift. But right, <laughs> uh, but, but but that's why we're doing it, and I mean, it, it's it's perfectly fine. I'm I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying getting together and seeing you during the week. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, every, everything's good on my end too. So, good, good. Uh, like we said, we've got a great guest this week. We've got uh, none other than the American Athletic Conference. Commissioner mm-hmm. Mike Oresco coming on the podcast. He's joining us today. This is huge, uh, huge, as one might say. But um, yeah, I, I'm super excited about it. A lot of people. I mean, I don't know anybody in the conference other than maybe a couple UCF fans that don't like Mike Oresco. Mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty sure that he's like widely liked and widely admired yeah. throughout the conference. Yeah, I was, I was, I was looking at the Twitter feed yesterday. I didn't, I didn't understand. The few UCF <laughs> that were kind of agitated by Mike Oresco, but you know, he yeah. can't be batting a thousand. I mean, I, I get it from the standpoint that they think that they are the darlings of the of the conference. I mean, yeah, they had a couple good seasons, but also which look, I mean, they they are, but they're not the but, only. But let's not also forget good that team in the conference. Had they continued on their zero and twelve path path that they were on, what four years ago, right? Then. They would probably love him still because they're still part of the American. Don't Athletic forget where you came from, UCF. You came from the mud. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we got we got Mike Oresco coming on, but already just uh, just two days ago, we're recording on Friday. So on Wednesday, the American Athletic Conference announced their plans for the 2020 football schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you haven't seen, guys, basically what the American Athletic Conference has said is we want our schools, our teams. To be able to play a full twelve game schedule, if they're able. Mm-hmm. So if they're able to schedule twelve games, they can play the twelve games. Right. But if they have ten games or nine games, that's fine. They're still going to play the same eight game conference schedule mm-hmm. that was already in the works. So that that's different from than like the ACC, some of these other Power that Six just conferences conference only. Yeah. Um, Artie, what, what's your what's your thoughts on? On how they're doing it, I thought it was very interesting. Um, you know, I, I I like the idea that they're they're going to stick to their guns and they're going to they're going to have the regular eight game uh, conference schedule. Um, but I and I do have a lot of questions for the commissioner when when he comes on specifically about you know our, our our conference schedule for this year. You know, specifically, you know, what happens if you have a team that you know can schedule up to you know their full twelve games, or you have a few teams that can schedule the full twelve games. You have others that cannot find anything for the life. So. You know, they only play eight or nine games, and you have like UCF that plays twelve. You have a Memphis that plays twelve, but you have an ECU or a, or a Tulsa that plays eight or nine. How is that going to work? 
you know, conference-wise, going, you know, are they, is UCF going to be highly favored because they were able to find something? Is ECU going to be penalized because they weren't? So that's how, that's kind of how I'm looking at it. Or are they just going to look at just those eight conference games and they're not going to focus on the, the, the four non-conference as much? Tr- traditionally, in in the American Athletic Conference, they look more so at the conference games, the conference schedule. Which and that's and that's that's what every conference. But so. I, I, I would doubt it that they're going to look at – it may help with rankings mm-hmm. from a national standpoint, but it's not It's not going to have any effect on on how the conference championship shakes out. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll, still have, we'll still have a conference champion. They'll still play the eight games, their eight-game schedule. And, I mean, ECU's – go ahead. No, I was just going to say – and I also like that he was aware because he knows it a lot of our teams are going to need to schedule non-conference games to be able to push themselves up in the polls. So I, right. I, I, I appreciate him and, and, and everybody else on the committee for thinking about that. Yeah, I mean, that, that, was, uh, that was something that, I mean, when they put this thing together, and that, that's going to be what a lot of my questions are about, is how, how did this come about? Like, mm-hmm. How did you arrive at this decision to play a full, have the opportunity to play a full gamut of, of schedule or right. of schedule um so yeah i mean i think i think that's going to be a great a great talk with mike oresco um and it's one that i mean this is a time that we've never seen before mm-hmm. never it's something that i mean now that we're here we're just gonna have to go with it one day at a time like we have been um and i, I think our conference has the best leader that we that we could have, mm-hmm. um, given it everything else going on in the world, we have the best leader, somebody that's taking us into the best opportunity to set up for our conferences, right, or for our conference teams. Um, that that that's what I've gotten from from Mike Oresco, and, and I would agree with that. His tenure with with uh, the American Athletic Conference. So uh, we don't we don't want to keep everybody waiting. Mm-hmm. We want to go ahead and go into the interview with Mike Oresco. Um, so, Artie, let, let's go ahead and do that right now. Let's do it. All let's right? get into it. So, here's our interview with Mike Oresco, Commissioner of the American Athletic Conference. So, this week's guest is a guy that really needs no introduction. Uh, it's somebody that we've been looking to get on the podcast for a couple weeks now. We're excited to have him on. He's the commissioner of the American Athletic Conference. His name is Mike Oresco. Commissioner Oresco, how are you doing today? Uh, how are you doing, Jared? Thanks for having me, and always great to be with you and, and uh, Artie as well. Thank you. Yeah, the, the pleasure is all ours. We're, we're excited to have you. So uh, before, we, before we start recording, uh, you, you mentioned everything, every day is kind of the same. It's kind of like Groundhog Day. Uh, what has your day been like over the past three to four months with everything that's going on in the world? Yeah, Jared, more intense than anything I've done as commissioner. Uh, and I thought, I thought, uh, well, you know, as you know, back in 2012-13, the, the league almost dissolved and, and you know, mm-hmm. the Big East schools, basketball schools left. That was probably the most intense period I've ever had professionally, you know, that six-month period just trying to save the conference. And uh, this has been, been similar to that uh, in the sense that obviously we uh, were faced with a crisis and we've got mm-hmm. a lot of things that we've had to do. And we, we're, we feel an acute sense of responsibility to try to get this right, you know, for our student athletes and 
for our, uh, you know, everybody associated with the conference. So it's, it's been, there's been a lot of pressure, but, you know, as Edward R. Murrow once said, you know, difficulty is an excuse. History never accepts and, and difficulty is an excuse. We can't accept. So we mm-hmm. just have to get through it and do the best you possibly can. And I think it was Condoleezza Rice spoke to our, our commissioners group at one point, And she said, you know, if you're, if you're doing things for the right reasons, you, you should come to good policy decisions and good policy outcomes. That's what we're trying to do. And uh, it has been pretty intense. Uh, most intense period I think I spent. And, and it's also odd because, you know, we've all been working remotely. Mm-hmm. And we've been all doing it through Zoom. And you haven't had that personal contact in your office. You haven't been able to sit down and have your normal staff meetings in, in the same way. And Zoom is terrific. It's the best thing we have right now. But it's not quite the same as, as having that personal contact. So it's been uh, it's, it's been highly unusual as well, but we've had weekly and, and, and almost you know, twice a week meetings with our athletic directors. Uh, we've now had weekly meetings with our board. We've had meetings with our uh, medical advisory group, and I talked to them offline quite a bit as well. So it's been, and then the CCA, the conference commissioners group, has been meeting uh, twice weekly. In addition, we meet with our G5 uh, counterparts, but we also meet with the FBS and our, and our P5 counterparts separately and together. That's been, you know, every week starts off with a series of meetings that, you know, you just try to kind of put. And then one day, I think I did 14 interviews, you know, and radio. <laughs> wow. By the end of the day, you know, you're just, you just want to get to the next day. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's fine. You know, it, it, this is what they paid us for. This is, you know. So you remember the Godfather. This is the life we have chosen. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody once said every every lesson seems to be in the Godfather. You know, <laughs> it's a lot in there. There is a lot in there. So I also I wanted to ask. So you talk a little bit about how the American Athletic Conference come or came to its decision um, that it announced earlier this week about the full possible twelve game slate. Um, can you go into a little more detail about how the athletic directors and the conference itself came to that decision? Sure, sure, uh, Jared. Um, first of all, from the very beginning, based on the advice from our medical advisory group, we, we thought we had an opportunity, just, uh, unless we have disruptions, to play up to 12 games, you know, to play our normal 12 games. We didn't want to limit that. We also felt that it was better to play our normal eight conference games and try to preserve as many non-conference games as possible. And there were two reasons, well, there were more than two reasons, but we, we had one reason was certainly those P5 games have been very valuable to us. Now, we've lost most of them this year, unfortunately. We've got a few that we're going to preserve, but not many. And that's unfortunate because, as you know, we've, we've made our reputation that way. We've created a you know, conference now that's highly respected because we, over the last several years, we've got 44 wins against the, the P5. We've had big bowl wins. And even when we don't win, we play incredibly competitively in those bowl games. So... You know, we uh, we wanted to play those games. Second, we wanted to play the G5 and the other games because you know we have really relationships with those schools, and uh, some of the games are home and homes. Others are, are buy games where you don't want to get into a big dispute over the buyout and, and you know, all of that, and you, uh, your financial ramifications. In addition, you have a situation where uh, it may have to reschedule games when you have home and homes. It's hard to reschedule games. You know, many of our teams are scheduled out you know, five, six, seven, eight, mm-hmm. ten years. So we felt it was important to do that. Also, we didn't want to play just the conference schedule because that would mean we're limiting ourselves to essentially ten games. Now, we could have done a ten plus one, something like that. But we felt that ultimately, uh, 
we wanted to, uh, to be able to play more non-conference games. And also, you know, we have relationships with all these schools. You know, we didn't want to start tearing up contracts and not playing those games. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are, we're going to let, um, Jerry, we're going to let our schools play an uneven number of games. Now, they have to play the eight conference games. And if they don't, because of the pandemic, that's the reason, obviously, that they wouldn't be able to play a full eight. We'll have tiebreakers in place because, you know, you could have a situation where you have a 7-1 team playing a 6-1 team. Mm-hmm. 6-1 team beat the 7-1 team, but through no fault of its own, wasn't able to play one of its games. You know, that's the that's kind of thing that's going to be very, very uh, dicey as to how you, you resolve it. And, and our, our ADs and, uh, and our staff are working on a, on a plan whereby we'd have tiebreakers. So, again, uh, Navy may play 11 games. They're going to play Army, Air Force, and, and now BYU. You know, we may have some teams that actually could somehow get to 12, although I'm not sure they will. Uh, others may end up playing, frankly, only 10 or, or, or 9. You know, we, we don't know. It depends on what they could schedule. But um, we, uh, we think that this is the best way to go for us. Uh, and it gives us a chance, as I said, to, uh, to play them all, and we'll see what happens. Now, uh, Commissioner, what if most of the American teams uh, cannot schedule quality non-conference uh, games? Do you believe the playoff committee will penalize those teams or penalize the conference uh, if they can't get those three to four non-conference games? That's a great question, Artie. I, I don't think so. I hope not. You know, one of the problems we're going to have this year without any – Sorry about that, guys. It's all good. All good. Uh, one of the problems we're going to have, of course, is, as you know, one of the ways we've impressed the committee is by winning those big non-conference games. Mm-hmm. And this is going to make it much tougher. Uh, what I've tried to do, as you know, over the last several years is, is uh, talk about how good the conference is and, and ultimately uh, try to uh, develop respect for the conference, uh, you know, among the committee and among the public. I think we did that last year. We put on a campaign the last few months to, uh, to really, you know, talk about how good our conference was. A two-loss team we think should have easily been a New Year's Day team because mm-hmm. we thought between Cincinnati and Memphis and some of our other teams, we, we clearly had a superior conference. And that's going to be harder now. You know, and, and our conference is going to be – we've got six teams easily that all could beat each other, are really, really good teams, can mm-hmm. play with anyone in the P5. You know, you've got Cincinnati – and you've got UCF and you've got Memphis with all of their offensive weapons returning and, and good defensive players. And then you have, um, you know, SMU and you have Houston is, is loaded. Houston's under the radar. You know, they're not, they're not ranked. They're not in the top, you know, 50 or so right now, but don't sleep on them because uh, Dana Holgerson's an outstanding coach and he's got tons of red shirts and, and transfers. They're going to be really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, and although they lost Eric King, they have a quarterback more in Dana's mold, and Clayton Toon. He's a really good quarterback. And we haven't talked much about any of this during the pandemic. It's been health and safety, and it's been the virus, and whether we're going to play and how we're going to play. Uh, it almost seems inappropriate sometimes to talk about how, you know, the league and how good the league is. We're starting to focus a little more on that now that we think we have a chance to play. But the point is, uh, we're going to get hurt by that. I don't think there's any doubt about it. We had a Cincinnati game at Nebraska, right? I think they could mm-hmm. win that yeah. game. They're, they're a really outstanding team. And, and that'd be a huge win for us. We had games, you know, at Mississippi State. We had games at, uh, you know, at Purdue. We had games at, UCF North, at North Carolina. Yeah, UCF we had North Carolina. Yeah, I mean, you know, North Carolina, we had ECU's play, was playing at South Carolina. Mm-hmm. You know, we had UCF North Carolina, which is now probably gone. We had Texas USF. We had, uh, 
And we still have Oklahoma State, Tulsa, which we think will happen. We, you know, I think UCF, Georgia Tech is going to happen. There are a couple others that might. You know, we had Notre Dame Navy, and now we BYU yeah. Navy is a substitute, but it's not Notre Dame Navy. Uh, but it's, a, it's an excellent game. I'm thrilled that BYU is coming to Navy. I think it's a great national game. But, but again, to, to wrap this part up, we we have made our reputation on those big non-conference wins, and it's proof how good our conference was. I hope the committee looks at us and says, well, this league has come a long way. And, and part of it is if we play these G5 teams, and we're going to play more of those, or FCS teams, and we, we win decisively. Last year, it, at the end of the regular season, we were 28-1 against, you know, the G5. And isn't Think about that, guys. That's a, you know, and that may have included FCS. I don't know. You know that's a remarkable record. Yeah. I mean, if you play 28, 29 Division II teams, you might not win, have a record like that. You know, that means that the consistency is there. So I think this is a, you know, a really strong league. And the worry I have, of course, is that we think weaker leagues could have teams run the table and the committee could just say, okay, that team's undefeated, put them in, put them in the New Year's Day game, whereas our teams are going to beat each other. Yep. And, yep. and also, uh, we're playing, you know, we have 11 teams now. We don't have UConn anymore. Everybody's going to play pretty much everybody else. Some years, you know, you miss a key game and you might beat that team in the championship game. Now they're all going to be playing each other, which means that it's very hard to get through this conference undefeated or even with one loss. I don't think that's necessarily true of some of the other conferences, and not to denigrate them, but they're just not as strong as we are. And, uh, you know, and we're not going to have the chance to prove it against the, the P5. So the playoff opportunity is just going to be greatly diminished. It, it was hard anyway. You know, look what UCF did. I thought they deserved a shot. I thought that 2017 UCF team could have won the darn thing. I thought they were that good. They proved it against Auburn. You know, I think you, you could have had a Houston team in 2015 and even 2016. If Houston had taken care of business, you saw what they did to Oklahoma and Louisville yep. that year. Yep. Mm-hmm. Team, I, I don't think anybody in the P5 wanted to play that team in a playoff game. No. You know, that was one I was if, – if that team got up for a game, they were really, really good. Unfortunately, they fell back. Yeah, they, they lost three games, and you really – you scratch your head. You know, they had some players missing in key games. Tyus Bowser was out a good part of the year. He ended up being a second-round draft pick. Uh, but that's, that's water over the dam. But uh, it's going to be a challenge for us this year because of that. If, and also, no, again, one last thing, guys, I just thought of. You know, nobody knows where we're going to play the full slate. So it's going to be hard for the committee to – okay, well, that team played eight games, that team played nine games, that team played 10 games. Uh, and we have to decide how many games you have to play to be in our championship game. If a team is only able to play four games, we're not sure that that makes a lot of sense to put them in our championship game. You know, we, we want to give ourselves the best shot at the college football playoff, uh, either the playoff or the host bowl. So that's going to be a concern too. Yeah, and then that, that kind of leads into my next question. And it's something that, I mean, we've been big proponents of here on the Boneyard Podcast, but we've also, I know you have as well, expanding the college football playoff. Have you, have y'all had any talks about that with the committee, with the committee or with the other commissioners? Has that, has that been discussed here recently? It, it has been, but, but it was, and it was supposed to be discussed in a much, uh, you know, more substantive and, and, uh, you know, immediate uh, form uh, this this summer and fall, and and we had to put it all on the back burner because of what's happened. Yeah, um, we were actually uh, looking at, at different models for the future. I don't know when it would be implemented. I don't know whether you'd have to wait until this 12-year deal is done. Uh, we're halfway through it, but we were looking at real models, and now it's pretty much all been put on on the back burner. And I don't know when it will be re uh, you know uh, 
be addressed. I let's face it, you know, until we get through this pandemic, it's all mm -hmm. going to be. And, and you know, as as hectic and as uh, as stressful as the last uh, four or five months have been, uh, it's going to probably be worse once the season gets going because we may have decisions on on contact tracing, on on uh, you know quarantines. Uh, we'll be in close touch with our medical advisory group. We may have to decide on cancellation of games. We may have to decide on some as you, as we talked about rescheduling. Uh, there, there are just going to be a lot of issues coming up. Uh, so I think this one. Is going to be uh, is going to be in the background for probably a little while. Gotcha. Now on on this podcast, we don't even say Power Five; we say Power Six because we truly believe the American is a power conference. Um, <laughs> we're, we're getting a thumbs up from the commission. Oh yeah. <laughs> but but why do you believe the American is so disrespected across the country, even though we consistently put three, four, five teams in the top twenty-five every single year? a great point or you know we put four in last year we've had multiple teams in the top 25 every year and we've had teams in the top 10 mm -hmm. you know, good number of the last eight years we've had teams in the top 10 uh, at the end of the season and, and we won those big games and we have really good teams uh, you know Shane Bouchelle is as good a quarterback as there is in, in college football you know we've got uh, Brady White is as good a top quarterback uh, you know uh, look at look at some of the other quarterbacks we have around the league and look at some of the teams we have I think it's a function of uh, that, that P5 bias and it's there with the media and I think the focus on the P5 and, and I think sometimes it's hard if you're an upstart to, to, to develop to, to, uh, to convince people that you're, you're for real um, and we're, we're you know, uh, a challenger brand, a league that you know, people didn't you know, think a lot of maybe eight years ago or teams had and, and they didn't start out with a lot of success when we formed the league. You know, look at what Temple's done and look what they did under Matt Rule. You know, and they really should have beaten Notre Dame that night. It would have been one of the upsets in college football. Um, and they almost did. Uh, that year, we had four teams that could have played with anyone in the, in the P5. You remember Memphis beating Ole Miss after they had just beaten Alabama? Yep. And we had uh, Houston had a tremendous year and beat Florida State in the bowl game by two touchdowns, dominated them. And then we had uh, some other teams that year that were really, really good teams. And we have not gotten the respect in part. I think it's, uh, it's, it's also, you know, uh, status quo, you know, people tend to, to look at uh, reputations and history mm -hmm. and say, well, you know, how could this team, you know, the minute you mention a, a P5 name, like a, an Ohio state or a, you know, a USC, or they've been struggling a little bit lately, but in Oklahoma or others, when Oklahoma played Houston, probably people were shocked at the way Houston dominated that game. And if Houston hadn't kind of screwed up a handoff on the goal line, it would have been a 40 to 17 final score, mm -hmm. you know, and then in 33-23. But Houston, people would have said, how could that be? This is Oklahoma, you know? So there, a lot of it's just reputation. And, you know, sometimes I say, look, if you look at the games and you pay attention, you realize that we have really good players. Also, they, they look at the recruiting um, you know, oh, well, you didn't have a top 10 recruiting class, therefore, how, how good can your team really be? Or you didn't have a top five recruiting class. But when you look at the kind of players we've gotten and we've developed, whether it's been two or three star players, even one stars, and they're gritty and they're tough and they, and they want to play and they develop. Uh, and many of them were, were uh, hidden gems and, and you know, maybe uh, they weren't given the proper uh, attention. Uh, when they were being recruited, we, we've got so many good players, but, but again, it's hard to, uh, you know, to get people to, to focus. I think I, I've been a little disappointed that the media hasn't, hasn't focused.
focus more on our progress, to be mm -hmm. honest with you. Uh, some have, some in the media have, and I've got great relationships with all those fellows. And and and, uh, and, and we just don't, a perfect example, guys, you know, is the last four or five months. It's sometimes it's like we don't exist. You know, it's always about the P5. The P5, right. yep. P5 did this, P5 did that. The P5 are meeting to do this. The P5 medical protocols. Well, we've got doctors who are as good or better than any that, that they have and that we should be in that room, you know, and, uh, we have a medical advisory group chaired by Dr. Greg Stewart and, and, and Joe Arman from, from you know, ECU, Dr. Arman. Uh, these are outstanding physicians and you know, they haven't had a chance to be in that other room. And, and the media is just focused on that. And they focused on, on the, those guys. Okay, what are they doing? How many games are they playing? And yes, we've, we've managed to you know, elbow our way into the conversation a bit. And I've done a lot, a lot of interviews. I, I try to do as many as I can just to get our league out there. Uh, and talk about these things. And I think we have something useful to say, but it's hard and it's hard to, uh, to make that case. What it's gonna take is we, we have to knock the door down. Once we are officially an autonomous group or, or you know, we are, have a contract bowl game, for example, or we're mm -hmm. part of an automatic playoff bid, then the media will treat us differently without question. But when you look at our schools, again, that's another aspect of this. You know, The American way is upward mobility, right? It's everybody having an equal shot and mm -hmm. it's achievement based. It's, or it's, it's merit, merit, it's a meritocracy. It's merit based. If you look at what we've done, we're not getting credit for some of that. And if you look at our schools, there was tremendous potential there that hadn't been realized. You know, Temple got thrown out of the, the old big East years ago because they weren't investing and they just weren't, they didn't seem to care much. And, and look at them now. It's not the same program at all. And uh, if you look at Cincinnati and what they've done and you look at, uh, you know, Houston and what they've done. And you look at Memphis, look at Memphis. Memphis for years had had a winning record. Yeah. And then they've got some great coaches. That's the other thing. Our, our, the quality of our coaches has been, I think, overlooked. Although they all talk about it. our coaches all go to the P5. Many of them do. And they have opportunities there that they might not have in our league. But look at how, how many great coaches we have. And uh, that's really critical, too, to what we've accomplished. But we keep replacing them with really great coaches. So, you know, again, that's another thing that you need to focus on is, is the quality of, of coaching in this league. So all those things taken together, we, we're struggling with that. And, you know, and unfortunately, with the pandemic, we've had to put it on the back burner. I didn't really think it was appropriate to be talking a lot about the P6 campaign. Uh, the only time I've talked about it is when we uh, don't get, you know, when, we, when I think we should be in the room with the P5 talking about some of these issues or we should be paid attention to as to how we're doing certain things, how we're scheduling, uh, how we view college football this year, how we view health and safety. Those are the kinds of things where I think if we were in that room, we would have far more impact and it would be better for college football. But uh, we haven't talked a lot about the competitive aspect the last four or five months for obvious reasons. Right. Now, looking back at the past years, since we've started the Power Six campaign, um, the P6 campaign, have you gotten any pushback from any of the other G5 conferences? Yeah, it's a great question, Jared. Was that Jared? That was yeah. me, yes. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a really good question because, you know, they're all friends. They're all colleagues. And we have a G5 meeting each week now. Uh, they understand what we're trying to do. In fact, some of them have said we wish we were as aggressive. You know, we've had, we've had ADs and some say, wait, <laughs> you, you guys are really aggressive. You guys have really made your mark. You know, this is a brilliant campaign. You know, you, well, we needed to do it. We had to do it. As far as I'm concerned, if you're not at the highest level of, of college football, 
you know, your kids are going to then be treated like second-class citizens. You know, right. Yep. I just think it's critical to be at that level because if you're not at that level, you're going to fall back to the point where you, you you're going to wonder why you have, why do we have this program? And especially with the kind of schools we have, you know, we're not, you know, everyone is a brand name. Everybody, everybody's heard of Tulane and Tulane has now developed a pretty strong football program. Everybody's heard of Memphis. Everybody's heard of SMU. Everybody's heard of uh, Houston. Everybody's heard of Tulsa, which had a long history of excellence in, in, in college football. Uh, everybody's heard of Temple. Everybody's heard now of UCF. UCF's a brand name. Uh, yep. UCF is cemented in the national consciousness. Uh, uh, yeah. And if Mackenzie Milton had not gotten hurt, they might still have a they might have a 45 game winning streak. Mm -hmm. now. Yep. Yep. Break history. Uh, wouldn't put it. Wouldn't put put it past them to have done that. Uh, everybody's heard. East Carolina has a long history and tradition in football, as you know. I ECU. I I, I dealt with Dave Hart in the old days and did a five year deal to put all their games on ESPN when there wasn't even an ESPN two. It was just ESPN. Mm -hmm. You know, you had great players over the years. You know, Jeff Blake, obviously, mm -hmm. Liner, uh, Robert Jones, you know, mm -hmm. and Zane Jones, obviously, and all the great players, you know, Shane Carden. I mean, you, go, you can go on and on. I'm sure I'm leaving some people out who I shouldn't. But the point is, you get, you get great, a great program there. It's fallen on hard times, but it's coming back under Mike Houston. So this league has had that kind of pedigree for, for many, many years. And uh, I, I think in the end, uh, you know, we'll, we'll continue to – in a fight and we have to fight, but you got to be at the top level. And uh, the other G5, they understand that. And so yep. yeah, they kid me about it sometimes <laughs> uh, in the room, but they're all friends too. You know, uh, Craig Thompson, John Steinbrecher, uh, Keith Gill is a new commissioner, but a really good guy and he's a good friend. And Judy McLeod, we go back a ways. I've known Judy for a while now. It's all a good group of people and they fully understand who we think we are and what we've accomplished and why we're doing what we're doing. And, and really, it's not about them. It's up to them to do whatever they think they need to do, you know? Right, and that kind of leads me, we, we asked our, some of our listeners for some questions, and one of the questions was, what else are you doing? We just signed the TV deal, the new TV deal. What else are you doing to market more of an inclusion interest from TV streaming services to match that of the quote-unquote Power Five conferences? Uh, yeah, say again, Jared, about the streaming services. Yes. Um, so I, I know we just signed the new TV deal with ESPN. Um, what else are, are we doing as a conference to market more of an inclusion interest from TV, making sure that we're on the premier level, so the ESPN, the ESPN2, and making sure that we're, we're getting our spots on, on, those, on those services? Well, we, first of all, we, we have guaranteed uh, minimums. Uh, so we'll, we'll have 40 or more games on, on the main networks, ABC, ESPN, ESPN2, okay. ESPNU, uh, and probably more because they've always over-delivered each year. You know, as you know, we've had a, a, some ABC primetime games now the last few years, including conference games, yep. which we've never had before. Yep. You know, we've had some non-conference games like Temple, Notre Dame, and some games like that. But that's remarkable. When you think what we're competing against, you know, those P5 schools and all those name brands that, that dominate primetime, uh, in addition, we've got, uh, you know, the ESPN Plus component that was misunderstood. That's really a tremendous add-on for us because we'll have all these games uh, streamed on ESPN Plus and, and ESPN Plus continues to grow more and more subscribers. We'll have almost our own, our own dedicated network on that platform. Uh, in addition, you know, ABC will do three or four of our games. Some years they've done as many as six. 
Memphis had four ABC national appearances last year. I mean, think about that. Now, the exposure is not a problem for us. As a matter of fact, it's, it's, it's really helped us establish our brand. Uh, and ESPN showed a lot of respect for us by putting those games on. Last mm-hmm. year, they put Memphis as, you know, SMU game on. SMU was, was undefeated, right? They were 9-0, whatever they were. It was a great story in college sports, having SMU rise, you know, from the, the you know, death penalty many, many years ago. Yep. Yep. And Memphis, had, you know, Memphis, they've been really good for five years now and six years since Justin Fuente rebuilt the program. Year after year, they've got outstanding teams. You know, in 2017, they lost that incredible double overtime game to UCF, a game they easily could have won. And they would have been on New Year's Day that year. And last year, they gave Penn State all they wanted. They had a real chance to win that game right to the end. And uh, the, the final score didn't even reflect how close that game was. And they played without their their uh, – you know, left tackle and without Joey Magnifico, they're a great tight end. If those two guys, and they had played all season, they, they unfortunately were not able to play the bowl game. Uh, they kicked six field goals. If those two had played, I think they might have scored uh, a few touchdowns on those drives as opposed to having to settle for field goals. You know, when you lose your left tackle, uh, it, you know, who played the entire season, you know, their offensive line didn't miss a game all season, which is beyond belief, you know, in this day and age. So anyway, uh, it's, uh, you know, that's where we are on that. That's true. Now, Commissioner, God forbid this happens, uh, but is there currently a contingency plan in place in case there is an outbreak in one of these programs or a handful of these programs, uh, maybe midway or halfway through the season? Yes, there, there is. And it could happen at any time, Marty, you know, unfortunately. We have a, a cancellation protocol where we would, you know, we would get together as a conference and determine whether uh, a game needed to be canceled or mm-hmm. out of medical advisor group. Uh, they're going to be uh, they're going to be uh, meeting every week with me, uh, and they're going to remain uh, you know active throughout the season. Uh, the medical advisory group, and we're going to take what they say very seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we had an outbreak, then they would decide whether to play the game. We don't want a situation like the Marlins had, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. The game should not have been played. And also, if a game has you know, we we don't anticipate gamesmanship, but if if uh, you know we think a, a game legitimately uh, is canceled, and it's just a cancellation. Mm-hmm. You know, if for some reason we think a game should be played, but for some reason it isn't, you know, then we could consider some other alternatives. But we don't think that will happen. Uh, our guys have a lot of integrity, and I don't think it's going to happen. And they have good judgment, too. Uh, the other issue is uh, if there is, is an outbreak, we would, we would do the contact tracing. We would do the quarantines. And we would be very, very careful about that. That's going to be critical, totally critical. Um, you know, you have to do it right. We're all, our, our, our contract tracers are all taking the Johns Hopkins program. Mm-hmm. They're all going to be well-versed in how to do it. Uh, unfortunately, that's where the disruption is likely to occur. You know, if you have a positive case or, or, or a few positives, um, it, that alone, you know, you'd keep that person out and you'd keep the close contacts out. But the close contacts, who knows how many there are? You yeah, know, and, yeah. and the definition for close contact. And that's where the two, two-week quarantine... Unfortunately, the protocol right now says you can't test your way out of the uh, quarantine. You know, even if you show some negative tests within that 14 days, you got to wait the 14 days. That's going to cause potentially some problems. Here, here's what we're hoping, guys. We're hoping that we're putting the fear of God into our student athletes. You know, we're educating <laughs> yeah. them. Look, they're 18 to 22 year old college students, and mm-hmm. they're used to doing things. And these aren't bad things. You know, going to a fraternity party or going to a, a video game session with a group of friends, going out to a bar or restaurant with a group of friends, you know, having a meeting in your dorm, you know, room with a group of friends. 
that's all normal behavior, but it, it isn't in a pandemic. They can't right. do it. They can't do it. And they understand that because they understand they're being tested each week. They're in a great controlled environment. So far, you know, six of our 11 teams have shown now no positives on the recent round of testing. Uh, you know, a couple have one, a couple have oh, oh, three. We had one team that had double digits. So we're, we're, they're getting the message. Now, the, the big question is when students come back to campus, what happens then? What kind of in, you know, interaction do you have? Right. Are the students going to be tested quite as much as our student athletes are? And so therefore the possibility that they could pick it up there. And our medical people are pretty confident that we won't be picking it up through competition. We're going to be doing all that testing, all that screening, all, you know, all sorts of things. It's more that you could bring it in from time to time. And, and fortunately it can be discovered with a test. Remember, if our student athletes aren't playing, is somebody going to track what they're doing if they don't play football or they don't play soccer, don't play volleyball, they're back on campus or they may leave school or they may have off-campus apartments. Uh, they're still going to be doing the normal things and they might pick up the virus then, but they're not going to be tested. You're not even going to necessarily know they have it or if they do have it, you know, they may have mild symptoms. Uh, and they, they won't get the kind of medical care because our athletic departments will not be operating, obviously, in the way they have in the past. Uh, if they, we don't play sports. So I think there, you have to look at, you know, when you do something, there's always a reaction. Nothing's done in a vacuum. You know, are they better off in the controlled environment, you know, that we have? And, and I think they are, and our medical people think they are. Uh, there are going to be a lot of issues coming up the next few weeks about whether teams should play, you know, mm -hmm. whether there are some side effects from this, uh, you know, virus and other things. And they're real. I mean, we have to deal with all that. But we think in the, in the larger scheme of things, we've reduced the risk to an acceptable level. Uh, if that proves not to be true and we have significant outbreaks, we may have to shut it down. But right now, uh, we're keeping our fingers crossed and uh, we'll see what happens. Got you, got you. And, and the frequency of the testing, is that, is that individually school-based or is that going to come down from the conference? Uh, right now, it's school-based, but it won't be once competition starts. The okay. conference mandate you know, a test every week, 72 hours, and now we're going to have, you know, some of the conferences might be adopting testing twice a week, and, and we'll have to look hard at that as well, because, you know, we want to do everything the, the so-called P5 are doing. <laughs> yep. And now, uh, with, we, we, you mentioned earlier how BYU is now scheduled to play Navy, I believe, se September 7th, I think it's on Labor Day that they're playing, um, was there any consideration of having an independent school like BYU or Army join the conference, kind of like a Notre Dame joining the ACC? Yeah, we, we've thought about it. You know, we've, uh, again, I don't want to uh, put people on the spot. You know, obviously over the years, you know, we, we've had some conversations with BYU. and Obviously, we're at 11 now, and there's some, mm -hmm. probably some schools that are pretty attractive. But right now, we put expansion on the back burner, too, fellas, you know, it's something we'll consider down the road. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we'd like to get to 12. We've said that. 12 works better. We like our two 16 divisions. 11 is a little tougher to schedule. Mm -hmm. doesn't provide the inventory for ESPN that we would like. Uh, down the road, uh, who knows what might happen. But, you know, I don't want to put anybody on the spot. And we weren't, we weren't in the business of rating other conferences either, you know, at this point. And we've, we've suffered enough of that ourselves, you know. So, <laughs> We know what it's like to disrupt the, uh, you know, the uh, college community. So we'll see what happens. But uh, down the road, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked if in the next several years we had 12 teams. Yeah. Okay. Now, we have one question. and I'm not sure if uh, you, you may be able to answer this one. Have you been to Sup Dogs at ECU? Have you been to ECU and visited Sup Dogs, the restaurant? 
Which restaurant? Sup Dogs. I don't think so. No. Okay. Well, <laughs> it was a long shot. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a long shot. It, it, it's a local restaurant. And didn't see you last year for a game, but I don't think I was there. <laughs> yeah. So next time you come to Greenville, uh, you'll have to hit us up. We'll, once everything's all said and done, we'll uh, we'll have to go out and maybe go to Sup Dogs and get a oh yeah get a hot dog or a hamburger. It's one of my favorite things. Yeah. <laughs> we because that's that's one of the questions we ask all of our guests is yeah. what their sup dogs order is they've got a they've got a great menu so we'll we'll have to have you down and we'll we'll have a big party we, we'll have everybody go to the sup dogs with us okay yeah let's hope we can do it you know without masks let's hope we maybe have right. yep. Yep. Or, you know whatever you know i don't i don't think i'm gonna be doing a lot of traveling this year <laughs> right also if i did they'd, they'd put me in the press box wouldn't let me get anywhere near the team yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> bubble haven't been tested you know so uh yeah it's it's going to be an unusual year in that regard i'd love to visit with you sometime at some point even if it even if we have to wear masks you know that's mm -hmm. uh, you know, we'll do it we'll do whatever we need to do sounds great well commissioner i wanted to thank you again for joining us on the boneyard podcast absolutely uh it's been a pleasure talking to you and kind of picking your brain on all that's been going on with the american athletic conference so i i did want to say uh, we got some we got several tweets um when we put out that uh, tweet asking for questions. Mm. We got several tweets saying, "Hey, make sure Commissioner Oresco knows that we appreciate everything that he's doing. Yeah, um, all the work that you've done for." And this is from fans of other teams around the conference. Yeah, um, I know SMU was in there. I know there was Temple and, and UCF, UCF was, in there. was yeah. in there. Like there, there was fans of all the schools commenting on that. So we wanted to say from the bottom of our hearts, thank you for everything you're doing to further the achievements of this conference. Um, it's, been, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show. Well, thank you. First of all, thanks for the kind words. And, and, and you know, obviously it's gratifying to get tweets like that, but thank you for sharing it. And, mm -hmm. and you know, again, Jared, Artie, uh, you, you know your stuff and, and I appreciate the good questions. I appreciate the, the following, you know, you support the conference, you follow the conference, you know the conference. You know, one of the things about this conference, and I, I know we need to go, but, you know, this conference, these schools were not, uh, you know, the, uh, the blue bloods necessarily of mm -hmm. football you know, over the years, but they have long histories, many of them and great traditions, and they're developing a bigger fan base now. That's the other thing. We, we struggled early on. You know, we wanted to get our fans energized. And now you're seeing sellouts at Cincinnati and UCF and mm -hmm. other places. You'll see them again at ECU. You have an SEC type, you know, fan base. I mean, it's, it's, it's tremendously involved and, and, you know, you've had some struggles the last few years, but you'll, you'll be filling that 50,000 plus seat stadium. Oh, yeah. again. And, and all over the conference, Memphis had 60,000 in the, in the, in the uh, Liberty Bowl for some of its games. You, you wouldn't have seen that 10 years ago or five years ago. It was, un, it was unthinkable, really. But look what this conference has done and things, success builds on success. It breeds success. So, that's what I'm hoping that we continue to do as a conference. The pandemic has, has caused everybody to have to, you know, pause and, 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 you know, do all the things that you have to do. And, and one last thing, I hope you and your families stay safe, stay well, uh, weather this thing, your community, your listeners, uh, you know, there are larger things at stake than athletics. I mean, right. all, the, the good news, if we can play means that the pandemic will have receded and that's good news for everyone every death is a tragedy and everything that's happened is a tragedy. And, and we have to, we can't lose sight of that fact, you know, that we're dealing with bigger issues and our, our presidents are dealing with bigger issues on their campuses than athletics, you know, in terms of trying to get their students back safely. 
So uh, again, we're doing our, our, our share in our small corner of the world. We're trying hard at least to do the right thing. And thanks again for all your, uh, your support and all your kind words and uh, appreciate all you do for our league and uh, hope to see you down the road sometime. Yes, yeah, sir. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Definitely. Look forward to it. Take care. Thanks. Right, you too. See ya. Once again, we want to thank Commissioner Mike Oresco of the American Athletic Conference for coming on the podcast. I, already, I, I thought it was a great interview. I mean, sitting down with him, hearing his, his thoughts on how they came to mm-hmm. where we are, talking about expansion, talking about all the things that are going on in the conference and right. in the world of college sports right now. Um, I, I think that, that was a great conversation. I mean, it, it's one that most people aren't having. Mm-hmm. Right now, I mean, yeah, people like you and me are having that conversation. Right, but we're not actually talking to the people that be that really make the decisions. We're, that, we're, we're not talking to the powerful people, right? right. That that do the things that we talk about. So. Yeah, Artie and I have no power um, whatsoever, and we especially no you know, you know, a, a few days after the conference schedule came out. So to have him on just what two days after you know the the we, schedule came out, I mean, we're extremely blessed as a podcast to be and, able to do that. And we did, I will say, we did try to plan it that way. So. Um, that, that's how we've been going at these interviews, going at some of these things. We're trying to do everything in a uh, what, what tactful, tactical, yeah. tactical. I, I don't know <laughs> <laughs> manner, but um, we we hope that y'all enjoyed that that interview. Um, a lot, lot of great information there. Um, but Artie, with the American Athletic Conference announcing their schedule, we talk a little bit about ECU's schedule. We've talked about it. Over the last couple of weeks, and mm-hmm. as we're recording this, I know that John Gilbert was on um, one of the local Greenville news stations. He was on, I believe, it's ninety four three WNCT earlier this morning. He was talking about how ECU was planning to um, maybe move mm-hmm. the season opener against Marshall to either September fifth or twelfth, depending on how Marshall's schedule shakes out. Right. Um, that that would be. An interesting move, considering that that's when it was scheduled for. Originally, it was scheduled for September fifth. Mm-hmm. Then they moved it up to week, week zero, zero. Yeah. and now they're moving it back <laughs> to the original to the original date. So that that's uh that's interesting, but it, it'll be cool to see because it'll give it'll give ECU and Marshall both an, another opportunity to get ready for the game, better prepare mm-hmm. for the game. Um, what what are your thoughts? Do you, on, on moving that game? Yeah, I I think in the long run it's 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 smart because like. Like you said, it gives them opportunity to really prepare for that game. Uh, that'll be their first game. And so, you know, we this is a season unlike any other. And so every team is going to need adequate time to actually get ready for this football season. Um, but I also think it sucks at the same time because, you know, week zero, we, we would have been kind of, you know, by ourselves, you know, in the, in the national spotlight a little bit. I know you had Oklahoma out there, you know, playing somebody. Um, and you had – There's been a lot of big game or big names that have moved up. Mm-hmm. I know SME has moved up now. Um, a lot of other schools are moving up to week zero to give their their teams and the their schedules a better chance of actually making it through the gamut of a of a full season full season right. whether it's a ten game conference schedule or a twelve game full full schedule like the the American Athletic Conference is trying to achieve. But I will say, no matter when the game is, you know, this is the fiftieth anniversary of that terrible tragedy that happened. Um, and so I think this game is very, very important. I think it should be played just like any other conference game the ECU has this, this season. I think the Marshall game 
has to get done this year. So uh, no matter when it's played, I just I just want it to be played. Yeah, and we we've talked a little bit over the last couple of weeks. Uh, you bring up a good point. Whether it's that game, the Georgia State game, the other two non-conference games have been canceled. Mm-hmm. We we've discussed that at nauseum over the past three weeks, I believe. Um, but I will say, like, I think that ECU needs to add opponents to their schedule. Yes. At 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 least add one or and at best add two but you need to add a team another game to that that conference or that non-conference schedule um right now we've just got the um marshall game and Mm -hmm. the georgia state game like i mentioned Mm -hmm. there's plenty of other games other opportunities that are out there to add to that schedule um one thing that I, i saw one team that i saw mentioned was a team like liberty I wouldn't mind seeing them added. I wouldn't mind seeing Liberty added. And that's not a bad football program they have down there, to be honest with you. Um, I know the ACC is, 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 is off limits. Um, and, I, and I know we have a few teams in our conference that are still trying to play. I think there's uh, one team want, still wanting to play Georgia Tech. Um, I forget what, who the team was. But I just don't know how it's going to work because ACC has already said they're only going to do a conference-only schedule. Um, within are, themselves, are, they are allowing one. Are they going to allow one non-conference? But it has to be from the same state. So Georgia Tech, that it has get, to be at that ACC school, right? Probably. No, knowing how the ACC is, it has it has to be within the same state. So okay. uh, UNC and North Carolina State. Uh, the, those. Never mind. <laughs> it's too early in the morning for me to trash somebody. Um, th- those those schools are schools that could schedule a team like ECU. Mm-hmm. Um, I know UNC and UCF, they've had their game canceled. So that would be a great opportunity for UNC to add another Power 6 school right. to their conference schedule. Um, and that, that would be a huge get for ECU considering that UNC is ranked in the top 20 right. they, preseason. They, they've got all the clout this year. they got Mac Brown. They, they're ranked in the top 25. So that definitely would be a good look for ECU. Yeah. Uh, and then ECU's traditionally beat them So over the past 10 years. So – who knows? EC might be able to pull out another upset and and go into Chapel Hill and punch the Tar Heels in the face. <laughs> um, that that would be something that I would like to see. But we both agree that ECU should add teams to their non-conference schedule. Mm-hmm. Other than the ones that we've talked about, we talked about the ACC. Other than those schools, maybe leave out App State. Is there another school that you would like to see ECU schedule? I know that I've got a couple. Um, man, that's good. I'm, I'm really trying to think. I mean, I, I would love to, to, to play a team out west. You know, obviously uh, a BYU or a Boise, um, a San Diego State. You know, I would love to, you know, get maybe get a team out west. But that's just a, a, a biased opinion of, of, of my own. Um, I just don't see that happening. With I don't see that. Going on yeah, I don't. I don't see that happening, especially with the budget cuts. Yeah, yeah. you know, we'd, we'd have it had to be a team on the East Coast. It had to be something within a, you know three to four states. And I feel like we've kind of mentioned all those teams. So I, you know, outside of that, not really. Um, but wishful thinking, yeah, that it would be a team out west. I mean, I, I know that it was brought up in one of the media briefings with Coach Mike Houston earlier this week. Um, I believe it was the one on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. There was talks about. Or one of the one of the people in there was talking about what about a school like JMU, I mean FCS, opponent. which we mentioned JMU, and that that would be a, a another good school. Mm-hmm. I mean it's not 
your ACC school, but it, I mean, they're <laughs> they're the equivalent to. I would put them on about the same level as a Georgia State, as, as one of these lower FBS programs. I thought it was funny what Coach Houston said in that media briefing too. When when asked about playing JMU, he was like, "Well, of course I'd like to play JMU. I, I you know, I recruited, I recruited kids. those kids. I know them. I know them well. So I thought that was, I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, but they, they would be a great game for us. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, I also wouldn't mind seeing a school like Coastal Carolina added to the added to the conference. Okay, no, that's what I didn't conference. think about. I, I did not think um, about Coastal. But even looking at it like in the Elon, um, Campbell, mm-hmm. moving that game up a little bit, giving us some time to maybe add another game to the schedule. I, I can't remember what year we play Campbell, but we play Campbell coming up. What about in East versus West, like a Western Carolina? Yeah, I mean, that that's a – I like that because that, that's another win. Um, <laughs> so, sorry to any Western Carolina fans. Um, Sometimes I forget they're even a school in North Carolina. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't want to throw no shade. I don't want to throw no shade. I just – because I do have a friend that went to Western Carolina, but I do I do forget that they're even a school here sometimes. I uh, I think most North Carolinians forget that they're a school in North Carolina sometimes. Um, and that, that's uh, – okay, I don't want to throw so much shade yeah, at we're not, we're Western. Yeah, because I'm sure it's a great school. I don't want to throw no shade let, Let's just say when it comes to Western Carolina and App State, that rivalry, I'm a Western Carolina fan. <laughs> I don't like App. Um, yeah, but we know who's winning that game. Yeah, we know who's winning, but – I can still be a fan of Western. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, one of those schools, a school even like um, adding a Georgia Southern. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, yeah, we're already playing Georgia State, but adding a Georgia Southern, a school like that, that's uh, sun, another Sun Belt school. Um, Honestly, it, it had to Miak, Miak, I said Miak, Miak, not canceled. Miak. <laughs> Miak. <laughs> Miak, my, my dad would be pissed because he's an Aggie, Aggie alum. Aggie <laughs> pride. Had the Miak not canceled, I would have loved to have had a rematch against A&T. They're still a good football program. They came into Dowdy and kind of whooped our ass a couple years ago, so I'd love to play them again and get back in a Winston-Salem State. Winston-Salem State would be another good Co- one. How about ECU coming into Bowman Gray Stadium in Winston-Salem, North Carolina? <laughs> Man, that would be that would be some. I'm telling you, it, that stadium would be lit. Oh, I know it would be. I've, I've been to a couple of games at Winston-Salem State. They, would, they get live for their games. That, that's always a great venue. I love going to see the NASCAR races during the. <laughs> you, you see some interesting characters there during during the summer. Why do you catch Stephen A. Smith out there? So yeah, I mean, um, th- those schools. I, I think that would be. I think that would be big. Um, even a school, maybe up in uh, school up somewhere in Maryland. I don't, I don't know many schools that are up there, but other than the University of Maryland, but mm-hmm. they're not doing non-conference. They're not doing a non-conference schedule. So I mean, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be hard um, to to find a school right now mm-hmm. that will do it. Um, another school that would be interesting is like a school like Florida Atlantic. Um, Right, Go, going down to Florida, having them come up to us, I, I feel like that's a Conference USA team that would would be willing to come mm-hmm. up to Dowdy Ficklin and, and play. Um, I don't I don't know what their schedule looks like, but th- I think that would be a good a good option. Um, but yeah, ECU should not just be content with scheduling ten games. They they need more. We want to become bowl eligible, whatever that means this year. We want that to happen, and set yourself up to do that in the best way possible. Yep, win ball games. You're, I don't want to be the guy that is just a 
doom and gloom, but I don't see six wins coming from a ten a, 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 ten, a ten game season. No, I, I I would have to agree with, with you. Of, I do with, not see six. With, I see five at best. With eight of those coming against conference Con- opponents, exactly. I mean, right now yeah. you've got more than half the conference uh, getting mentioned for rankings in the preseason. Right. I mean, Navy, Cincy. Temple, which is always giving us trouble. SMU, I mean, it's it's, it's not a good conference. Look, UCF, it's not a good conference schedule for us. We we play a lot of great teams in our conference. So, yeah, and I'll I'll say like traditionally, even with how our our seasons have gone, we usually have some of the higher numbers in the American Athletic Conference as far as attendance. Oh yeah, and with we we've seen it when ECU goes into these NFL stadiums, like. At Temple or um, who else put Cincinnati Which, was know, Temple. Temple plays in Lincoln Financial, and they can have twenty fans, and they still beat us by thirty or forty. Which I've never understood. So that, that, that's what that's what I was getting at. ECU doesn't play well in front of in front of no fans. Mm-hmm. It's it's tough for some of these kids to get up, I guess. And I I don't mean to say that to make it sound like. Oh, you try to give him an excuse or anything. No, but it, it's just historically over the last five to ten years, we haven't been able to actually get up for these games in some of these stadiums without fans or in some of these big stadiums without fans. And right now we're seeing, okay, well, there may, may not be any fans mm-hmm. anywhere. Yeah. So it's going to be – it might be hard for some of these student athletes to to get up for, for a game with no fans. So that that's something that will be interesting to see. I know that was talked about – in other sports like the NHL, the NBA, and MLB, and I mean, we saw my Hurricanes create their own energy, but mm-hmm. that's that's for another day. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But yeah, talking about fans, that, that that's a perfect segue. We talked about ECU scheduling and what what they're thinking about. That a lot of that information came from Athletic Director John Gilbert's from the helm, his letter to Pirate Nation earlier this week. Um, he also mentioned in that in that from the helm article that they hope to have fans in Dowdy Ficklin Stadium this year. Mm-hmm. Um, Artie, would you go to a game right now? Would you go to a game right now if if you could? I, I think I think I would, and that's because I'm I'm such a diehard ECU fan and college football fan, and and I you know it's been. I think six years, seven years since I haven't gone to a college football game in in some sort of fashion. Um, so I, yes, I would, but I would also hate it at the same time because I know I would have to distance, social distance, from others. So I, you know, I'm very curious to see how that's going to work. If you have friends, if you have family, uh, small kids, I mean, how how are they going to do that? As far as you know, distancing in the stadium, um, you know, if, if they could have anything between ten to twenty thousand safely. Uh, in Dowdy, I, I think go for it. Why not? You know, because it's it's only going to help our student athletes get up for for the game. You know, um, but I I do think it, it it will suck to have to be two to three seats away and kind of be isolated when you kind of want to be together, screaming, yelling, cheering on your pirates together. Um, it's it's interesting. I don't I don't, I don't know how they're going to do it logistically, um, but me personally, yes, I would go. Yeah, I, I would I would too, and that's probably the probably the hardest thing for pirate fans to uh, get a hold of because I mean we, we saw earlier this week at least EC might have an opportunity to have fans mm-hmm. Penn State no fans no fans 
No fence. Which, my God, an empty Happy Valley, that's going to be. I mean, I, I I know Ohio State had mentioned something about 25% at one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Artie, you're a Michigan man. Has Michigan talked about I, the big house? Michigan has not come out with anything. I, 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 they said something a couple weeks ago that they were trying to plan on having 10 to 15% capacity. Um, but they haven't really come out with anything yet. But, you know, an empty big house is just like an empty Happy Valley. It's just going to be eerie and kind of it, – it's just going to feel – It's going to feel like your ECU is going to have a scrimmage tomorrow on Saturday, depending on when you're listening to this. Mm-hmm. They're going to have a scrimmage in Dowdy Ficklin Stadium, and there's going to be no fans. Yeah. And it's going to be just like a scrimmage with no fans. It's that, That's how it's going to be. And a lot of those games, when you watch these scrimmages – Yes, yeah, sometimes you'll see some emotion, you'll see some energy, but you'll you, it's not going to be the same energy that you would when you have fifty thousand screaming. But players. I will say it's 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 going to be an adjustment. It's adjusting to the new norm, and so it sucks. But now these these guys and these coaches and these players they have to understand we have to we have to be in the mindset of we're not going to have fans. Even if even if they do come up with a way to have fans, the mindset has to be we will be playing in empty stadiums. That is the mindset. We got to get past it because we still got football to play. We still have things to do. We still have to go out and win. We still have to come with a certain edge, a certain attitude. So it does suck, but it's no excuse not to go out there and perform at your best. So yeah. Um, so I did want to kind of bring up. So in that from the helm article that I keep referencing, uh, <laughs> I feel like that's all I've been talking about. There's a lot of good information. If you haven't read it, um, we've retweeted it on our on our Twitter. Um, we'll, we'll do that again before this episode goes live. Um, so here's some interesting, an interesting uh, piece. Some options for season ticket holders. Mm-hmm. Um, something that I thought was interesting from John Gilbert and the EC Athletic Department. You have four options, um, or yeah, excuse me, you have three options. Um, thought I saw an extra bullet point. First option, you'll receive an, a full refund for all impacted games. Mm-hmm. So you'll get your refund and be able to. Um, Use that money elsewhere. Second option, receive credit to your account for the 2020 football season. 2021 football season, excuse mm-hmm. me. So you can pretty much just say, okay, I can, I'm going to put these tickets to the next year. We'll, we'll go at it from there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then third option, ticket credit amounts can be converted to a charitable donation to the Pirate Club for student-athlete scholarships. This would be a tax-deductible donation, no priority points, and not applied towards your 2020 Pirate Club annual scholarship fund commitment. Each account will still receive two priority points awarded for purchasing season tickets and maintain consecutive years of season ticket purchases. So basically, they're saying you can forego that money and use it as a charitable donation mm-hmm. to the Pirate Club for, for student-athlete scholarships. No, that's a nice gesture. And then you would, but you would still have to pay for the full 2021 Season you, would, but you would still be able to have the priority points mm-hmm. as as it goes for selecting your seats. Um, Artie, what what do you think when you hear that? Do you do you have any thoughts on on those options? I think all are good. <clears throat> um, I, I, I'm sure a lot of people are going to choose to have it transfer over to the next season. Um, also, makes sense. It, which which makes sense. Yeah, I, I, personally, that's probably what I would do. Even though I should put it towards that scholarship fund. I mean, you and I, uh, you and I are still young <laughs> along, student athletes. So. <laughs> um, but I, but like I, but I also think it's 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 a good gesture for it. It, it puts a lot of pressure on people too. 
because there's gonna be you, get, you gotta you gotta put your money where your mouth is. Now. Right. Yeah. If you're if you're a true pirate fan, you gotta put your money where your mouth is. Exactly. So it, it definitely puts a lot of pressure on on pirate fans and pirate alumni. So yeah, that I, I just thought that was an interesting. Uh, those were some interesting options for season ticket holders um, going into the 2020 football season. Mm-hmm. But Artie, uh, we ha- we have some sad news to pass along. Yeah. Um, 2D Robbins, former ECU football player, was drafted uh, fourth round in the 1982 NFL draft. Great guy. Um, great pirate. He played 12 seasons for the Cardinals and Packers in the NFL. We're, we're sad to announce that he passed away on August 2nd. Um, it, it, it's something that we just wanted to send our condolences to his family, to Pirate Nation, those, those that knew him. Um, we didn't we didn't know him personally, but he's a pirate like like all of us are that are listening to this. Um, we're all pirates, so we, we just wanted to give him a uh, or his family a, a shout out and let them know that we're thinking about you. We're praying for you. Um, we we know these times are tough, but mm-hmm. um, we'll. We we we're here for you. We're, absolute we're all uh, absolute pirate legend, uh, nineteen eighty one All American. You know, uh, play I think eleven seasons in the NFL. So definitely, um, you know, my my condolences go out to his family. And um, you know, it, it is a rough time, especially with COVID going on. So um, just you know, prayers prayers out to him to his family, and you know, Pirate Nation lost a great one. So yeah, so um, that that that's it, it's tough to talk about, but. Um, yeah, that that's something that we we just wanted to talk about um, him and his legacy, and his legacy will live on as as a member of the pirate family. Mm-hmm. But already, um, a little bit of a funner segment. Funner, <laughs> Jared out here creating words. <laughs> I am already funner, I, I, <laughs> guys. My mother in law is a. English teacher. I, I'm a copywriter. Don't let this man live that down. Attack him on Twitter. He said funner. Funner. Yes, I did say it. It's yeah. <laughs> not not my one of my prouder moments. I, I I I try to I try to be better than that. <laughs> but sometimes my uh Davidson County education comes out. <laughs> and you said your mother-in-law's an uh, English teacher, or she was an English teacher. Oh yeah, yeah. she if she hears this, she's she's not. She doesn't listen. <laughs> <laughs> I know that for a fact. <laughs> I know they they drove down to the beach a couple weeks ago, and Savannah said, "Hey, let's uh let's listen to Jared's podcast." And she said, nah. "No shot." <laughs> then, you got, then you got my father-in-law who's been listening to every episode. And texting my wife about why aren't they talking about Penn State or why why aren't they talking about Alabama? That's because we're an ECU podcast, sir. <laughs> so, and then, then he tells me uh, he tells her that my my wife has a brother that's about two. He'll be two mm-hmm. this December, I believe it's December. Yeah. Um, and he says that my brother in law cannot listen to the podcast because. Of our foul language, and I said, "Sir, this is a the E does not stand for everyone." <laughs> well, we don't curse that much. It's we do drop some f bombs and some. Yeah, it's mostly you. It, but. <laughs> it is mostly me. It's so I start. We started this podcast, and I this was the whole thought was 
my family doesn't like listening to me talk and ramble on about ECU athletics and sports in general. <laughs> so I wanted to start this podcast so I didn't so have did to <laughs> bother them with my with my thoughts and the nonsense that's going on in this. Yeah, this head. is like, this podcast is not E for everyone. It's it's probably T for teen. Uh, yeah. Maybe NC seventeen. Yeah. Something like that. North Carolina seventeen. That's what that means, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But this is uh, let me let me get this right. This is one of our uh, newer segments. It's a it's a more fun segment than is that is that right? More fun? Yes. 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 I know it's right, Artie. I, I'm I'm I am good at grammar. Uh, <laughs> as I say, good at grammar. I do the grammar. The grammar is a okay. Um, so this is a segment we started last week. Um, one we've been talking about. It's called Walk the Plank. Artie, I, I know you were looking for one. You were talking about one. I was, I was looking for one, and honestly, I, I, I couldn't find one. You know what? I'm gonna do one that we did a, uh, a couple weeks ago because I still want them to walk the damn plank. Who's and that's, it? and that's gonna be the, the, the Miami Marlins. Miami Marlins. Because they've got to play, I think, 27 games in 25 days. They've got like two or three double headers, um, and this all could have been avoided. Had they just, you know, followed protocol and actually been aware and, you know, they weren't going out partying or nothing like that, but they were. No, they, they were. Oh, I, th- I thought they, I thought they. It, it came out that when they, it did eventually come out that when they were in Atlanta for the preseason game for their exhibition. So they, so they did go out and, and the, club and. They did go out to some bars or restaurants yeah. and. <laughs> Florida, you got to walk the down plank, man. And I, and I, and I hope. That y'all lose all 25 or whatever so in them games because y'all suck anyway. So Miami Marlins, that's my walk to play. <laughs> it's so weird. As everybody knows, I'm a Braves fan. The Marlins are 6-1 and one right now because they've, all, and because they've had so many games postponed or canceled. The Braves are 8-5, and five, so they've played their 13 games. See, math guy. I'm better at math than I am at grammar. There you go. Um, the Braves have played their 13 games. They're 8-5. and five. And they're behind the Marlins, who are six and one, mm-hmm. because the Marlins couldn't quarantine for a couple of days when they were in Atlanta, because Atlanta's a fun city. Well, I, I, look, I don't care what sport you play. Twenty-five games in twenty-seven days is rough. Walk, walk the damn plank. Marlins. That is rough. So walk the plank. Walk the plank, because it all could have been avoided. Yes, it could have. Um, so I have a couple. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and just take a go couple. Um, might as well. Look, I don't know what that noise is, but. Um, I don't know if it's my computer or not, but sorry about that, people. <laughs> I would say number one, starting off, I'm going to go with the University of Connecticut, right? So University of Connecticut, all their fans, their their administration, they were so happy. Talking down on the Power Six Conference, the American Athletic Conference, they went and joined the Big East. And became an independent in football. They had lost so many of their scheduled games because of COVID. I believe they lost five games because of the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. They can't schedule anything now. So they've just up and canceled their season because nobody wants to play them. Which I don't know why that's that's a win. That's a win. That's a dub. That's like a ninety nine point nine percent. They're like they're like Germex, man. It's it's a win. <laughs> so uh, I wonder, uh, did Randy Edsall get a bonus for canceling the season? 
he gets bonuses for everything else. Might as well give him a bonus for canceling his own football season. Um, so, yeah, UConn, the Huskies, everybody except for Gino Auriemma, <laughs> walk the damn plank. And I, I wanted to mention UConn, but I, I, I do really feel bad for them and their football program. They really should just discontinue the program. They, they should just be a basketball, sometimes baseball uh, school, because they're, they're pretty decent at baseball. But they are strictly a basketball school, and that's really what they should be. They have not given any. They're strictly a women's basketball school. Well, look, they're, look, they're, their men's basketball has like three or four national championships. They're not, yeah, you know, they're no scrubs. They're not scrubs, but they're still when you're when you're looking at them. I mean, hell, ECU's beating them like they beat them, I believe, two or three years in a row, mm-hmm. which had never happened before, and then they start beating them. Almost every season. But I, that that football program just gets no love. They're just not doing it right. They're not hiring the right people. I mean, you, they're not they, looking to hire they the right went, people. One in eleven last year. Yeah, they just and they, they there's keep, no effort. They keep paying that coach. And these these kids deserve a better shot at more success. Just discontinue the program. <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh, so my next my next uh, walk the plank is a golfer. His name is Bryson DeChambeau. If, if you're not a fan of Big golf, uh, you, you should know who this guy is. This guy, basically, when, when coronavirus hit and they put the PGA Tour on pause, this guy just went and started drinking, like, 30 protein shakes a day <laughs> and lifting four times a day, and he put on 45 pounds of muscle. He was on that Big John workout plan. He's a big boy. Uh, so... He can hit a ball straighter and farther. He looks like a middle linebacker than, playing golf. Than anybody. No neck. He's just all <laughs> all traps. He wears that uh, funny golf hat like like my grandfather wears. And then um, my dad likes those hats. Oh too. yeah. I mean, I can rock one. Don't get me wrong. I'll oh, rock yeah. one. But mo- most people on the PGA Tour aren't wearing that. They're wearing you know ball caps like normal people. Um, Bryson DeChambeau last week. I, he comes up to his ball. His ball's in the rough, and there's an, a fire ant hill. I, I'm using air quotation marks around that. <laughs> there's a fire ant hill, and he calls the rules official over and says, "I'd like to, I'd like a drop." And the rules official was like, "Like that's not a drop." And he said, "Well, there's an ant hill. Like I'm, I'm worried they're gonna sting me." And the rules official was like. No man, like you're not getting a drop. This is the same guy that like told a told a cameraman off like three it's, weeks ago. It's so hard to believe this. Was it a fire ant hill? I because that is a big deal. If it was fire ants, but it's not like he was standing in it. Right. He was just gonna go up, hit his ball, and get the hell out of there. Fire ants attack pretty quick. I mean, I stood I stood there in a fire ant hill one like, time within a matter of ten seconds. Yeah, but hit hit your damn ball. Don't that that's I'm with you. Hit it hit it where it lies. But, but it wasn't. If it, if it was fire ants, now if it was on top of the hill, I could get it. But it wasn't. It was like two feet away from. Now we're just talking about regular sugar ants or black ants or whatever. It, it was two feet away from the ants. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there might be some there, but come on, man. Bryson DeChambeau walked the down plank. You think Jack Nicholas was asking for a, a drop? When his ball landed near fire ant hill or near ant hill, he's he's too big to be complaining about. Yeah. Hills You're a grown-ass anyway. man. And not to mention, he also said that he was going to live to be 135, 140 years old. <laughs> Literally the next couple, like two days later. So, yeah, Bryson, De- Bryson DeChambeau, 
walk the damn plank. And then my last one, this one, this one is a little personal for me. Um, if you follow me on Twitter at Jared underscore Shaffit, that's J A R E D underscore S H A F I T. Follow me. Um, you you might have seen. I believe it was what night was that? Was that Tuesday night? Yeah, Tuesday night. You might have seen that I uh, I was going on and I was trolling some fans of a certain NHL team. So I want to tell the fans. They happened to be in the New York metropolitan area. I wanted to tell those fans of the New York Rangers to walk the damn plank because all I've heard for the last three months is, oh, the Hurricanes are scared to play us. Bring out the brooms. Oh, Rangers. Rangers in three. Rangers are going to beat out that the ass. All right, Rangers fans. Now it's time to pony up. You go in and the king is unthroned. No, dethroned. There, Mm -hmm. words. (laughs) (laughs) I do the grammar. The king is dethroned. King Henrik Lundqvist is dethroned. He's thrown out to the pastures, and there's there's a new team in town. The Carolina Hurricanes advance officially to... The NHL playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, no, let's not get too ahead of ourselves. They just advanced to the first round. Yes. Still a lot more but, hockey to be played. Well, my thing, my biggest thing with that is, is the New York Rangers fans that were telling us, Rangers in three. Mm-hmm. Oh, y'all are scared to play because the Hurricanes voted against playing the Rangers. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to play the play-in round because they didn't think that the Rangers belonged. They thought, well, this hurts our chances. We were... Pretty much a lot for the playoffs. But now, like, we've got to play a team to get into the playoffs. And now that the the Rangers played them, the Rangers were like, oh, y'all are scared. We were the hottest team when we started back. Yeah, we weren't scared. We just didn't think y'all belonged. And guess what? We proved that right when we beat that ass. got swept. Get out the brooms. Sweep that ass back Bring to the Madison brooms. Square Gardner. Gardner. Look at you. <laughs> Come Guys, on, Jared. It's, it's, it's 10.30. It's 10.30 now. I, I've been out I've been out of work for too long, man. You work You work first shift, too. I'm second shift. Yeah, but. I'm ready to go. I, what I'm saying is I've been, I, I woke up, I've been waking up now that I've been off work, like waking up at 8.15. Like I used to wake up at 5 a.m. That's late for you. 8.15 is late like, for you. I've been, I was work, waking up at like That's 5 early 15, for me. 5.30, like. So, yeah, this is. I'm just now like I'm getting back into the swing of things. Um, <laughs> Madison Square Garden, stumbling over my words. Gotta get some more coffee. Maybe maybe uh, take a shot of whiskey or something. Wake my ass up. Um, I got some Fireball in the freezer. No no point. Uh, that's uh, no, you no said shot. you said a shot of whiskey. That that's not whiskey. That's free <laughs> Um But yeah, Rangers fans walk the damn plank. Um, that that's all I got, Artie. Uh, you got anything? Final thoughts? Um, final thoughts, as always, stay healthy, stay safe. Um, this quarantine, we are at, we are still in it, people. I know that we're getting back to our normal lives somewhat, um, but we are still very much in this quarantine. Wear your mask. Um, pay attention to the uh, health and medical experts because you are not a health or medical expert. So please do not tell me this, that, and the other. Pay attention to the people that actually get paid six figures to do this not just some podcast <laughs> host <laughs> but seriously people stay safe stay healthy and uh until next week yep my final thoughts uh 
I want to echo those, but I also want to say um, we're, we're all in this together with ECU. We're all pirates. I've seen some things talked about um, politics and things on that. Keep, I mean, you can talk about that, but at the same time, be respectful when you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, just know that we're all pirates. We're all going through some shit right now. Um, so just keep that in mind. It's always okay to agree to disagree sometimes, people. Yep. It's, uh, that's never not going to be okay. Sometimes I'll, we have to agree I'll, to disagree. I'll leave, it, I'll leave it on this. When Artie and I, and we had some other friends that we lived with senior year, we are probably one of the most diverse friend groups you'll meet with, yeah, with yeah, how we I, are. I have to agree with that. Um, you, got a, you got a white guy from New Jersey, Hispanic guy from New York, black guy from Chicago, and a white guy from Lexington, North Carolina, by God. <laughs> and It just shouldn't work on paper. It shouldn't work on paper, but we were able to agree to disagree on some things. Mm-hmm. And when our friendship, our relationship was better for it and two of us decided to start a podcast so uh you you never know be kind to everybody um wear your mask do your part let's have some ecu football and uh go pirates so that's all i got uh be safe pirate nation we out we out